I'd like to welcome our guest, Jill Cartwright. She is the Georgia Statewide Organizer for Southerners on New Ground, or SONG. SONG serves as a home for LGBTQ liberation across all lines of race, class, abilities, age, culture, gender, and sexuality in the U.S. South. SONG works to build and maintain a Southern LGBTQ infrastructure for organizers strong enough to combat the Southern-specific strategy of the right to divide and conquer Southern oppressed communities using the tools of rural isolation, right-wing Christian infrastructure, racism, environmental degradation, and economic oppression. Jill Cartwright, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me again. It's a pleasure to be here. And- and Jill, I, I really wanted to, to squeeze in that uh, Rise Up song because I, I felt it was really inserting uh, the voice of the, a movement that people like yourself uh, represents. And you worked so hard in, in Georgia um, and brought home to the Senate uh, two additional seats, you and, of course, and, and other organizers. And as we are now starting what many see as a, as a new era, and yesterday also, um, Warnock and Ossoff were inaugurated. Just give us your thoughts now moving forward. What uh, are you feeling hopeful, number one? And number two, what as a movement for change do you think we need to be doing right now? I am. I am feeling hopeful. Um, I think that we all are feeling a level of anxious anticipation right now with coming off the heels of um, a very distressful, um, you know, term uh, from the former president and also just being in the throes of multiple crises, both domestically and abroad. And so I think that we all are trying to grasp for hope um, and trying to keep that hope alive, even despite, you know, the future being a little uncertain right now. And so I'm definitely in that number of folks who are trying to keep hope alive. And what's keeping my hope going um, is not necessarily just a transfer of power. I think that it's important that this new administration, at the very minimum, is allowing us to at least take the time that we need, the space that we need to mourn those that we lost and to assess those losses and be able to take a deep breath and say, okay, where do we go from here? Um, And so that's deeply appreciated. But more than that, um, what I'm seeing in this moment is a commitment from myself, all of the organizers in Georgia and across this nation who put in the work to get here, who knew that at this moment um, that feeling would pay off, but that after we're done celebrating, after we take that day, that we need to keep going. And so right now, that's what anyone can expect from our movement is that we're not laying down our weapons, so to speak, right now. This isn't a time where we are going to just shake hands and agree. I think that there are a lot of issues on the table, issues of reparations and racial injustice. We still have to address the white supremacist insurrection that happened at the Capitol. We still have to talk about reversing the climate crisis and many other issues Um, that were accelerated during the past four years. And so I think that right now, many of us are expecting that this will be a period to 
continue to jump into action, um, both on the side of movement and making sure that we're continuously pushing um, the Biden administration to the left, but also on the side of um, President Biden and VP Kamala Harris. Right. And Jill, the last time you were on the show, you really gave a, a quite remarkable, I thought, description of the kind of uh, organizing that you all did. Uh, again, uh, uh, all lines of race, class, abilities, age, culture, gender, uh, sexuality in a southern state, a, a formerly Confederate state. And you, you talked also a bit, and I, I wanted to, to just ask you to underscore that a little bit in terms of there is this urban-rural divide that we see so much across the country. And in a lot of rural areas, you find strong support uh, for Donald Trump, for example, and, you know, militias, et cetera. Um, so the, the urban-rural uh, divide and conflict is really a critical one. And you all have been dealing with it. And also a lot of people are not aware of the still numbers of rural impoverished black areas in Georgia. Jill Cartwright. Right. That's spot on. Um, President Biden in his inaugural address spoke about an urban rural divide in one of his many supplications for us to embrace unity, um, which was a very key key point in his address yesterday. And I think that that urban-rural divide is not so black and white, um, literally and figuratively, as we would imagine. Um, I think that it's important to understand, and if you take anything away from the work that we did in Georgia, it's that our people are everywhere, and that when we organize, we have to keep that in mind and understand that especially in these rural communities where Black people are facing white supremacy and conservative strongholds. Um, these are battlegrounds for racial tensions. This is where the battles are going to be won. This is where we're actually going to see those lines of class and poverty. We're going to see Black folks, white folks, immigrants. We're going to see those people cross those lines and begin to see the other side and understand that actually we're a lot more similar than we think. Um, and I don't say that in a way to minimize, right, the racial tensions, to minimize the impact of white supremacy, especially in the South and in this nation. But I say that to say that what's divisive is not the geographic location of a people. What's divisive is when we have leaders and so-called activists and rioters and white supremacist thought leaders who are advocating that white people are losing something, that poor white people need to saddle up and get with race-first politics in order to be successful, in order to see the COVID relief that poor white communities are suffering from, just like black poor communities and the black community broadly. And I think now is the time to debunk those lies Part of it is going into the deep south, into these rural areas where we ask people for their vote. And now we need to be able to settle up as well and say, you know, you showed out and we know you're here now. How are we going to make sure that this tension is not something that you continue, continue to suffer the most under? How are we going to recognize your contribution to the movement? 
um, to the historical Southern radical tradition and to this victory um, that President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris are enjoying right now. Right. And just a a final thought for uh, young people and other people who are saying, well, this is all well and good. In fact, in in Portland, there were uh, massive protests uh, yesterday, tear gas being used. Um, uh, Anarchists, they're they're called, were out on the street saying, you know, cussing out Biden and and Harris and saying it's not going to make any difference, et cetera. What do you say to those who, because sometimes people working for change, we have some difficulty um, walking and chew gum at the, chewing gum at the same time and get confused about who the political class is and put on them the expectation that they're also civil rights leaders. Just a, a quick final thought on that, Jill. Right, right. Um, I remember seeing folks protesting and having both their anti-police and anti-Biden um, signs um, in Portland. And I think that that's actually really important because Portland was one of the places during the uprising of 2020 where we saw the most (laughs) extended um, radical, I would even say, um, showing of uprising and political unrest in that city. That was one of the places where um, former President Trump actually cracked down and started to exert his executive power. Um, to silence protesters, um, and to try and institute law and order. And so I don't want to diminish the fact in the role that Portland plays in the movement um, in this time and in being able to push us to the left. I do want to say, though, that we have to continue to recognize that the bigger picture um, sits within what happens within these first 100 days. And I'm not just talking about policies that the Biden administration enacts, but I'm also talking about how we respond as a people. I absolutely think that we need to keep up the pressure. I absolutely think that we need to continue to be bold and outspoken about the injustices that have happened and about being able to settle up for 400 years of white supremacy. I absolutely think that we need to continue to uplift um, the cry from the streets to defund the police and to reverse the climate crisis, and to fund Black people and refund communities. Um, All of that is true. And also, we need to make sure that that energy is concentrated and directed in a way that is very clear about our message. Um, We need to be very clear about whose side we are on, um, and and, and continue to make those messages something that resonate with the broader community who showed up and out during the election and continue to show up doing mutual aid um, and organizing in their communities before and after the election. Absolutely. And, you know, often uh, people are put in the position of taking a position of good protesters versus bad protesters. So thank you for that, uh, Jill Cartwright. We are going to have to leave it there. We'll have you back, an important voice uh, coming out of uh, Georgia, Southerners for New Ground. Jill, how can people get in touch with your organization? Absolutely. So our website is www.southernersonnewground.org. Um, you can also email takeaction at songsouth.org um, if you prefer email. And on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, 
We are at Ignite Kindred. Okay, we'll post that information on our social media. Thank you, Jill Cartwright. Stay well and safe. Thank you so much. It's great talking to you again.